Okay, welcome to Pass the Mic for February 4th. Joining me, Mike Quixote, as well as my friend Mike Gervasi. Welcome. What up, what up? And very special, our first special guest in studio this time, right? Miss Evie Crampton, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Excellent. This Great was to a, have you. Yes, a, this was a, a fabulous prize at the um, staff Christmas party. I think it was the top prize. It was, I, without a doubt. I think yes. it was definitely the top prize. Um, Evie is a Carlson alum, alumna, if we want to get my grammar and my English degree working here, and has much like some of us, many, we have a couple of people that did this that are now back home and working in the district teaching. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself so that the listeners can get to know you. You're going to take, basically, we're going to let Evie introduce herself here. Mike and I are going to have a few questions for her as well. And then she's going to take part in the whole show. As a matter of fact, she's going to have a, a mic for the wall. She, she has So exciting. She, she is going to take part in Overrated, Underrated, and she is going to, I believe she has a hot mic or a hot Evie take, a hot guest take, while I recall it. So why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself to introduce you uh, to our audience. Right, absolutely. So I am a Carlson grad. I graduated in 2012, and I was actually an entire product of the Gibraltar Public School District. I started at uh, Chapman, went to Shoemate, and finished up at Carlson before I went to school at U of M Dearborn. Um, I graduated from U of M Dearborn in 2016. My major was social studies. My minor is math. And right after I graduated that summer of 2016, I got hired here to replace the the great uh, Brad Clark. Wow, that's big <clears throat> shoes to to fill for sure. Did you did you ever think, like during your college days? I know for me, like I in my mind, I'm like I'm never going to be able to work in Gibraltar. Did you ever see? Did you ever think it was an opportunity? Do you ever think that it could have happened? Or honestly, like my 18 year old self, that was what the goal was was Ooh. to work in Gibraltar, live in Gibraltar coach sports, um, the whole nine yards. But then when I got to college and I started looking at pay scales, <laughs> I'm looking elsewhere downriver to begin with. But uh, I'm happy to be here. Yes. Getting into today's topic. Huh? <laughs> I, I, I want to just kind of throw something out. What is it like for you to see former teachers? How do you How do you address them? Is it ever awkward when you call them by their first names? Yeah, that's like the common question. Um, when I first started, I had a really difficult time with it. I've always been like a, a Mr. Mrs. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Type. And so like my goal for the whole first year, if I wanted to address somebody, I just make really intense eye contact. So I wouldn't have to call them anything <laughs> at all. It would just be okay. I'm looking at you. I'm talking to you. But after a couple of months um, and my coworkers became more like friends and less like teachers, um, it's fine. Okay. I honestly, I don't know what I do without, without you guys now. Yeah, I think, you know, we talked about this on an earlier episode when you asked me about it, because when I, you know, when I was first hired, it was mainly all the teachers that I had. So I, and you're right, it's sort of just, it's awkward, it's awkward, and then it just disappears one day, you know, and it fades away, and by that, and then it just becomes a comfort issue, and then there's other people hired after you, and it just, I think it, and I think that's a good thing about our staff. I can't, we can't speak for every building. I don't know what every other building is like, but I think most people here aren't, you know, we're not pretentious and walking around saying, you know, call me doctor, or call me uh <laughs> you know, call me Mr. That sort of thing. So what, one thing Mike and I decided to do is to, with every guest, so you're sort of going to have, for you it's going to be hard because any future guest is going to know this is coming. But we decided we thought we'd set a question that we'd each ask every guest to sort of set a standard of a question. Now for you, 
it's going to come out of left field. You're not. This is not what's not in your notes. So unscripted, so, unscripted. So we're sorry, but we're not. We're you know we're not asking you to like um you know solve world problems. These are pretty, but they're sort of like revealing personality questions. So, okay. some a, a question I always ask of my athletes and students that I have whenever it's their birthday. Again, we've had many conversations about food on this show with me. Is all right. So where are you going out to eat for your birthday? Or if they're not an out to eat type person, maybe their mom or dad's cooking a dinner. What's your birthday dinner? So my question to you, and again, this will be for every guest down the road, but my question for you today is it's your birthday. You get to pick either A, where you're going out to eat, um, or B, if it's at home, what's being made. I want to know where you're going out to eat or if it's at home, and what's the go-to meal for your birthday. So... Uh, this is this is a, an easy one actually. Okay, good. See, that's what I said. I don't think we <laughs> yeah. weren't we weren't gonna, but we like these. These are like a, these are good personality revealing questions. Yeah, absolutely. So it's a home cooked meal. Okay, I actually nice. don't really like going out to eat. I'm not a big foodie. Okay. Um, but for dinner, it's gonna be my aunt's homemade fried chicken. Oh, nice homemade. <laughs> it's, it's delicious. It was my grandma's recipe. Um, and she's an excellent cook. Uh, we're gonna have some green bean casserole. Oh, nice. My favorite, uh, my only thing I really like at Thanksgiving dinner, okay. so I bring it to my birthday in October. Um, and for dessert, um, I'm definitely a chocolate girl, but ever since I was little, again, it goes back to my aunt. She's made me, like, homemade Rice Krispie treats. Oh, okay. So, yeah, that's... It's always a little better when it's homemade, isn't oh, it? Oh, yeah. yeah. It tastes 100% better. You don't have to deal with other people either, so... Yeah. That's not what I was thinking, but... Well, that's not mine. <laughs> yeah. Fried chicken for me at home, that's I think... That's al- also it, very revealing. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, fried chicken for me at home is, like, one of those things, like... I hope it's someone else in their house and their kitchen doing it because it is a, it's an undertaking and it's it a is. mess it and is. it's you know so hopefully you don't have to no, cook no, it. My, I'm very grateful for my aunt. Okay, and now Mr. Gervasi, your question that you will ask of all guests. All right, Evie, uh, I'm going to make this one simple. We're going to change this up by the week. Well, right? so much for the no. It's supposed to, it's going to be the same question for every guest. Oh, for every guest. Well, yeah, we, we said we this. Totally got our. You know, we did not get. We, we said crossed. we'd do this for everyone. So. You have, it's a good question. Go with what you had. It, it was thought of especially for me. His question, like <laughs> his question, and I don't know if he wants to flip-flop. He wants, you can bring any guest to this dinner. You can invite anyone in the world. All right? Anyone. And do, is this living or alive? Living or dead. Living, living or, or dead. dead. Sorry. Sorry. So, no, that, so who is your one guest and tell us why? Any guest to my birthday dinner? Yes. Okay. This is also going to sound kind of corny. Um, so I'm very much, like, simple in terms of, like, my life and, and what I appreciate, what I value. If I could have any one person that came to a single birthday dinner, it would actually be my, my grandma, who I never got to meet, the one who I'm named after. Very awesome. Very yeah, nice. Yeah. My, I'm, like, celebrities and, you know, they just don't impact <laughs> No, no. <laughs> I, I, listen, I to, my, both of my grandfathers passed away, like, when I was in my two, you know, two to three. So I don't have no, I have no memory of them. And it would be, and I get to hear stories all the time. I, that'd be something. I totally get it. I, totally, I don't want to eat uh, with any celebrity personally. Uh, so, you know, good call, good choice. So you're prepared, and now, I mean, you did great. So now any other future guests, you can start thinking, because we are going to keep those same questions. To wrap up your introduction, we mentioned it. We, we have our mic, wall of mics up on the wall. You, we, you said you wanted to bring yours, so we are ready for your grand reveal. Who is your mic that is being added to the wall this week? Absolutely. Well, um, my famous Mike is somebody who's been known as an athlete. Um, he's been known as a villain. He's been known as a civil rights activist. Um, he's also been known to be part of the Space Jam franchise. Oh, no. Oh, boy. A man by the name of Michael B. 
Jordan. Oh. <laughs> Sexiest man alive <laughs> oh, in a 2020. God. I was um, very nervous. <laughs> no, I, that was intentional. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, no, he was in Space Jam, too. I thought it was hilarious. That's where I got the idea. Nice. Um, I know I'm probably one of maybe 100,000 people who watch Space Jam, too, but I stuck it out. And when they had his cameo, I was like, that's hilarious. So I thought it'd be kind of funny if nice. I kind of followed suit. But yeah, and no, he's a good actor. He's in a lot of movies I enjoy. Um, I really like Just Mercy, which is based on the real-life story. Great um, book. It's, it is a great book. Um, I'm a big fan of Creed, kind of a little bit Rocky vibes. Black Panther is an excellent flick. Um, so, yeah, Michael, nice. Michael B. Jordan. And you had Mr. Gervasi there sweating it out a little bit. Here is his yeah. picture, so he'll be added to the wall. Good call. Not to be confused with Michael J. Jordan, Michael Jeffrey Jordan. <laughs> is that what his middle name is? Michael B. Jordan. All right, well, then we're going to move right along with our normal script um, reflections on week one. Did anyone reach out to you? First of all, I need to do a show correction. Um, I referred to Miss Josie as a hall monitor last week. Not that there's anything wrong with being a hall no, monitor. Um, our hall monitors are excellent here. Miss Joanne is a legend, of course, and uh, Mr. Simon is doing an excellent job, our newest one. But Miss Josie is a, a para-pro, a para-pro who does excellent work, a great job. So my apologies to Miss Josie. She did check on her garbage can. It was all fine, but she did point out to me. Um, and then also Miss Browning, Denise Browning reaches out. She was our, gave us some information on New York. She also, Hall & Oates was her first concert yeah, that was funny. 40 years ago. 40 years ago, so that was sort of like an old, uh, it did age me as well. So she, she, she liked the call on Hall & Oates. So anything on your end? Yeah, I, I found out that I did date myself with Kid Rock. Um, that he is not very popular amongst people younger than us, according to my sources. Um, Kent Sikora was really kind of led this off, and then I've heard it from other people. I did not realize how many people would know DOC. One album, one rap album. So Kid Rock dating myself. DOC actually got hit it big before Kid Rock did. And Kent Sikora, teacher at the middle school, mentioned the. He actually, I saw him at a swim meet. We sang a song together. Oh, nice. So I had one, one, was that like part of intermission or something? For yes, the, it was. It oh, was. interesting. Um, what a he, what, that's a heck of a swim meet. Oh, yeah. And the baseball elite is at it again. <laughs> we apparently, discussing the Hall of Fame, got ruffled a few feathers. Now, I, I will say this. I took an unofficial survey with my students today because we did like a quick survey of the 20th century, and a lot of baseball came up in this history discussion you know, significant historical baseball events. And in a class, in a survey of about 70 kids, two students raised their hand and said baseball was their favorite sport. So okay. Well, the numbers, numbers don't lie. Numbers don't lie. Okay. All right. Well, we're going to move into our normal show routine. So we're going to start off with an education topic. Um, and we thought this was a great topic having um, Evie here with us is the getting more young people into education. We see it here every year. Um, compared to when you and I were applying for jobs, yeah. and it was you know you had like three hundred resumes had coming, scratch in, and claw, scratch and claw. Um, you know, get somebody, get someone. If you knew someone had an interview that you were going on for, buy them something with food poisoning or something that they didn't show up. Um, now it's totally the opposite, and we had you and I had degrees that were often considered easy to find: yes, English yes, and history, yes. English and social studies. And it's not even and you know, even now it's hard to find those. And it, we talked when we talk to kids that are graduating every year. Just a lot of people you don't hear a lot of people saying I'm going into education. You just don't hear it very often. Um, Evie, obviously you are younger. Um, you know you're seeing the same things we are. Um, what do you think can be done to start maybe some of these kids that leave the high school bring them into the world of education? Um, so I thought about this quite a bit because there is like the obvious answer would be like increase your starting salary. 
But I like to think about actual practical solutions that you can kind of control within the school district aside from the dollar sign and what you're taking home. Um, And I thought about a lot of my friends who work outside of education and what they love about their jobs. And I think we could apply that in schools. However, it's going to be a drastic change. So uh, some of the things I thought about, um, and one of the things that's actually really important to me as well, is I feel like there needs to be um, a clearer path for young people to take a more meaningful leadership role in education. Um, I feel like if you start to develop leaders young instead of just paying attention, like I feel like I, being here, it's my sixth year, and I'm still, I think, the youngest, maybe second youngest at this point, um, and, and obviously you always want to listen to the people who have come before you who have wisdom, but I feel like if you start to foster that leadership in younger people, they'll start to take more ownership over the school, and they'll feel like they're making more of a meaningful difference um, rather than just doing the same that's been done since you know, the beginning of time. Yeah. So that was my first big one. Um, my second big one is related to just having more flexibility and creativity. And that ties again into my friends and family who have careers outside of education. I see one of the really appealing factors and what would be incredibly appealing for a lot of young people is this idea of having flexibility in terms of the work day, um, which is a little bit less practical when you think about the traditional school day. But even if that means creating more flexible opportunities with the classes you're teaching and offering electives and, and getting less structured with the, um, the, the core requirements for each class. Um, I would even venture to say if you could offer some sort of hybrid or, or online positions, even within a public school, that would make a huge difference because that's what I see young people want to be able to do, um, myself included. You want to be able to travel. You want to be able to use your time to to do what you want to do um, and to maximize what you do every day. And I feel like at schools, a lot of times, just because the nature of the schedule, um, you're kind of beholden to sitting here from 7 to 3 each day, um, not having a ton of flexibility, not having as much creativity in terms of what you're teaching. Um, you know, there's classes I've taught where I know they're, they're required to graduate, but I just feel like if you want to bring young people in, you have to restructure the way education's been delivered because I don't really feel like it's been changed much. Um, and we've kind of demonstrated over the past two years with the pandemic, we are capable of changing, um, whether it's how students learn, using more technology, what students should be learning. I think it's really outdated what we teach in school. We need to kind of push more practical 21st century skills and even, like I said, just the, the organization or the, the time management of, of a day, I think. Um, a lot of things, if, if you want to bring young people in, you have to do what's, what's attractive to them. And, and those, th- that's what I thought about. I think those are some great answer, and answers going deeper than you – because know, like everyone thinks that it's, it's, it's salary. Like, you know, you try right. public schools, we're going to start – but in reality, and like you said, you did look at salaries locally when you were but, – but, I mean, that's not the first thing you were looking at. Obviously, you came here, and there were other things that brought you here. And I think your answers are great as, as far as like as – I think I guess like we could sum it up with modernizing the workplace. Right. And um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump in here and kind of answer right now, even though kind of going off course here. My answer was the exact same. It was the cultural – what I wrote in my notes was something cultural. And I think that we are still on this model – 
this is just to jump off what you said. We're still on this model that's really, I mean, we're doing exactly or something very similar to what we've done for years to when we were in high school and even before that. Yes, there are technical innovations that have become a part of the school and a part of our everyday lives. But in terms of a schedule, in ter- I mean, this is a model that really is based upon an industrialized society going back, you know, 100 years plus um, with some variation. And so even going uh, – the schedule, the, the, the summer's off. These are things that are very antiquated in nature. So I am – again, that was my answer as well. And unscripted, I would have come up with something different to try to add more to the conversation – but I think that Evie is spot on on this one. We really have to modernize this. No, and, and I think as people, you know, and, and I've been doing this for a while, I would love to be on a year-round schedule that was a similar amount of – I think it's like it's so detrimental to be sitting home for three months. As coaches, we both know you're really back here at the beginning of August anyway. It's like we're sitting here wasting all this time. It's It, it's, it can't be good for learning. Like to No, how do you change that though? Uh, you, you know, you have – and I'm speaking to both of you now – this is what our parents did. This is what our parents' parents did. So how do you change that? I mean, the inertia is there. How do you? I mean, it has to happen. I mean, you just sort of have to, well, you know, look what happened two years ago when we shut down for COVID. You know, for a, for a few weeks it was, oh, we don't do anything. But then we adjusted adapted, yeah. and adapted and changes were made. And kids are very, we've learned this now, right? Yeah. They're adaptable. Like they, sure. things, all of a sudden we've changed a lot of policies and rules in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I personally think it could happen. Me personally, I, I like I said, I, the money's, I mean, the money's there now. I think you know it, it's starting to get better. Obviously, I we can, I can't complain where I am now. I have a double masters and where I am, but I worked hard to get there. And I get it when you're starting. If you have all the student loan debt and you're make, you can make more at Target or waitressing. I get it. It, it. And districts are starting to realize that. We've realized that here that like step one needs to come up. Um, I did do a little research. So in 2013-14 in the state of Michigan, 4,720 people completed education programs completed. Um, 1920, that number dropped to 2,258. Like That's not nice. a lot of people. 2,258 people, eight people in the state of Michigan. And you start talking about how many teachers are our age, yeah. the numbers are not going to catch up. So modernizing the attractant. I, I, here's the other thing I think the problem with education is, and kids may not see it, maybe not be why they're going into it, but otherwise, you know, when I go on a flight and something goes, the pilot gets on and says, you know, we're going to be delayed or he has to take a different route and he has to apologize for something. Or when I go to a, do- a hospital and the doctor's, you know, sorry, I got backed up. I got, or when I went to the vet even back before, you know, and the vet got, I don't start criticizing or telling the vet, the pilot or the doctor how to do their job. I, I don't say like, and a lot of time in education, I don't know what it is with us. I feel like we always have people that think they can tell us how to do this job. I think because the average person experienced school for so long, but they didn't experience it from this end of it, you know. That's, but uh, no, that's exactly. I remember talking to Mr. Quinn when I was in high school, and he was talking to me like, "Are you sure you want to be a teacher? Because everybody's gone to school, everybody's been in sports." And he was kind of saying, "You know, like not everyone can say they've been a rocket scientist. Yeah. That's why people don't um, I, criticize." I get it, and I know that's the line. But I've been on many a flights. But I've never still gone up to the pilot after I'm walking out and be like, hey, man, this flight took an extra 20 minutes to Cancun. I don't know what you were thinking. But for some reason in our field, I feel like us, I think medical people are starting to get it in this last two years. And I think police officers obviously get it a lot, yeah. too. It's sort of like, listen, man, I, who wants to deal with that? Can I also, I, I think anything in the public light, I do think coaches in sports get that. 
you know, oh, I, I, well, I, I do think that we're not making uh, true. true. We're not making yeah. Mel Tucker money here. Sure. <laughs> so I, I tell you what, if you started paying me that, you could say whatever you want about me. You could announce it on a loudspeaker over Brownstown Township over the tornado drill. I would be fine with it. So yeah. um, hopefully, like I said, hopefully, I, I think, too, something I see some schools are doing like clubs or like future teachers uh, sort of organizations, sort of like what BPA does and. DECA does these clubs to sort of there needs to be some more of those clubs like that are education related I think and you can get people seeing what they're doing I think that's another good way to uh, get students interested so well hopefully some of you youngsters look into it it's not a bad gig in the for the most part right guys not at all (laughs) yeah we're still here right it has its moments yes so overrated underrated and this is gonna be really fitting now because we're sitting here and we're looking at storms coming and winter let's just face it February is probably the worst month in the state of Michigan Weather-wise. I'd say March is. Mar- yeah. I can't stand March. Yeah, March, I think you sort of have feelings because it's going to be nice, but it, you, yes. it's not nice. So I get it. Right. But February flat out is awful. The only good thing is it's only 28 it's the days. It's shortest month, yes. yes. But the, and it, sure enough, right on cue, we have some awful weather coming. And so, and I know Evie loves to travel. I do. So I figured overrated, underrated, since we all probably want to get out of this state, either in February or March, um, what is your overrated and underrated travel locations? Um, again, we know the rule. You may you may not like it. It's fine. But um, well, let's, we always start, though, with our overrated. So where does your overrated travel location? We'll let you go first, guests first, ladies first. So I really had to take cues from you guys and try to, like, separate from what's my favorite to what I think is, is we're doing overrated first. Overrated first. first. Overrated, what's first. overrated? So I guess what's my least favorite um, and at first, then I know I was talking to Mike Gervasi, and I, 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 hate, I hate big cities. Like, I, I do not want to visit them. Um, I think they're too expensive. They're not for me. And so at first I was going to say um, big cities, but I really haven't, haven't gone there enough. I haven't been um, to enough places to make that judgment. But I have been to a lot of us, the beach. So my uh, overrated is going to be kind of more like a region um, I'm going to go with Atlantic Coast Beaches. Oh, interesting. Oh, the yes. whole, so we're talking. Well, yeah, well, mostly, okay, let's go Atlantic Coast of Florida Beaches. Okay, so. Flo- I'm, okay. I'm a Gulf Coast snob okay. at this okay. point. Like, so. I, I will not voluntarily go to the Atlantic <laughs> side <laughs> of Florida at this point. Okay. Not bad, eh? Now, Fort yeah. Lauderdale, do you consider that? I consider that Atlantic. Oh, wow. wow. I'm, not, I'm not impressed. So Miami? Where, where? Mm, Miami, I haven't been to since okay. I was young. Um, oh, you in Fort Lauderdale. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's, it's, it's just a feeling. Okay, no. I, the sand, the sunsets, yeah. just the, the way it's built up, it's just different. Okay, all right. Mike, you're overrated? All right, Natalia and Melina, you're going to hate this. Uh, it's Disney World. I... You know, we went there about six or seven years ago. Now, uh, just Disney World, not Orlando in general. Just Disney World. Just I, you know, at the end, Rob Raymond said had the best line: "After a trip to Disney, you need a vacation that, from yes, the vacation." Exactly. And you know, you look at when you get on the transportation. At the, I remember we'd get on a bus at the end of the night. The parents <laughs> looked the sweat, the anger on their face, the, the fatigue. Happiest place on earth. Happiest place on earth, and they were ready to just pass out right there and it was like seven days straight of that now i the kids had fun during the day but it's hot i know you got to go at the right time of year so i again i know overrated doesn't mean bad but it for me it was it was disney my kids may have enjoyed during the day but every single adult on those on those bus trips back to the hotel wherever you were going looked absolutely like they had been in a war and they needed 
like a month off. So Disney World is. I'm sure place. there's a lot of people too that know it. Mostly everyone takes their kids once or twice, and it is exhausting. So yeah. Okay, mine, Evie, it's funny you mentioned it. So mine is a specific Atlantic Coast beach town because I sort of get the, the – I, I, prefer, I prefer the Gulf Coast too. I prefer, prefer the West Coast um, if I can. I prefer – I went to Mexico in the summer. Um, so I, I, I agree. The Atlantic Coast is just not as nice. I hate jellyfish. There tends to be a ton more jellyfish along that Atlantic Coast. But I did p- pick a specific town because I sort of – I've been to a couple, and I think Myrtle Beach to me is uh, overrated – are you all right? You, I'm okay. okay. Yes, um, it's my family destination trip every oh, summer. So, <laughs> it is I, I enjoyed. Though. I enjoyed it's overrated. Beach. <laughs> it, but it's. It, I get. It's because we did Virginia Beach one year, and I sort of liked it because it was like a smaller scale Myrtle Beach, mm-hmm. and so it wasn't as obnoxiously touristy as Myrtle Beach was. And but I still don't prefer. I prefer. But it's close for us here in Michigan. You can drive there, and not. It's you know it's probably at the end of my driving length. It. So I know a lot of people go there. There's tons of places to stay, way, way more. Like that was the one thing that surprised me. Virginia Beach had very few res- places to stay, whereas Myrtle Beach, I mean, there is lodging up and down. Oh, yeah. It's, and it's it, busy. And it's reasonably priced for a beach town. But uh, the, the touristiness of it, uh, like the the 900 miniature golf courses and go-kart tracks <laughs> okay. and uh, ice cream everywhere. Ice, yes, dipping dots everywhere probably, I'm sure. So oh, There we go. There we go. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I don't disagree. Yeah. I, I, to me, it's just overrated. There's better beach towns. Even if I get it, we all can't afford to go to you know Mexico or the Gulf or even Clearwater. There's other nice Atlantic, nicer Atlantic Coast beach towns, I think, that I would go to. So Myrtle Beach is my overrated um, for sure. Okay, underrated travel destination for you. What do you have? This was also tricky for me. Um, I, this was really hard because I, I felt like, oh, this place wouldn't be underrated. It's great, you know. Yeah. So, but and I do. So I actually pick somewhere that I don't even spend that much time. Um, so it it kind of sounds contradictory, but um, Northern Michigan. Um, okay. Honestly, like when I when I travel, um, I very rarely go up north. This past summer, I had a couple of races up north. I had several bachelorette parties up north. When you say up north, how far north are you? Do you mean? I've never been to the UP, okay. so we're talking the. <laughs> we're, okay, by up north, you know, when you look at a map of a Michigan person map of Michigan, we're talking the west coast of Michigan. <laughs> That's up north too. <laughs> yeah. Everything in, is up north. Grand Rapids. In north, like like maybe like Gaylord. Okay. Um, yeah. So like um, I don't know. I just I feel like um, people from outside of Michigan don't fully they're not able to fully appreciate how, how beautiful it is up there. And, and I feel like, and this kind of ties into me, like I like sort of a slow down life. Um, I really like being outside. There's just, there's just a lot to do up north. There are some nice cities and, you know, it is, and again, it's not going to be, I mean, unless you're on like Mackinac Island, it's not going to be crazy touristy mm-hmm. and packed throwing elbows. So <laughs> I can uh, see, I'm serious. Like, you know, that's, that, that's one thing I don't like on vacation. That's why Disney, I understand. I, I, God, not only is it exhausting, but it's like you're, you're throwing elbows for everything. So. All right. Well, uh, I disagree with you. I love cities, but I that's know, not I my, we, had this we did, we did. I love New York. I, I love New York. I love Chicago. Um, but my underrated is actually, I'm going further north than you. It's the UP. Um, okay. I was able to spend some time, quite a bit of time in Munising for the last 15 years or so. It, it's it's so beautiful up there. It's so peaceful. We had a, a family trip, and there's so many beautiful naturistic things to see. And what's interesting is I'm not a big nature guy, but it is just amazing up there. The air is so clear. 
you know, and what's really, really interesting to me is talking to the people. I remember one night out at the bar, um, it seemed like, and people in UP who spent time up there could probably correct me on this. It seemed like 50% of the people were Packer fans Then you get like 25 to 30% lions. And then it's all dispersed. I, there was a few Viking fans, a few, um, Bears fans. And so that part to me is interesting as well because, I mean, why would they have a connection here to Detroit, you know? So that part, getting to know the people there, the air, and there's just so many things to see. So for me, it's the UP. Nice, nice. All right. I, when I thought of this, and it was very hard because I'd like to say, oh, I love Barcelona, but it's really not overrated. Yeah. I mean, not underrated. Right. So I'm like, okay, I thought, I tried, so I tried to think of a place that I was a, a trip that I went on that I wasn't expecting the place to be that great. Like it was sort of like a, either it was a stop on a multi thing or, and I'm going to squeeze two in. I hope you don't mind. One international, one um, locally domestic. So my international one years ago with uh, the captain, Mark Nyholm, we did a trip to London uh, and up into Scotland. And I went early and stopped to start in Paris. But, you know, I was all about Paris and London, the big city. You know, I've never traveled overseas before. And then par- when we got to Scotland, went to Edinburgh, Scotland, and I had no idea what it was. And to me, when you hear European cities, you don't hear that very often. And it was the best stop on my whole trip. Like I was, it was a, it was an amazing mix of like old castle country, but with this modern little vibe. And it was a cool town. They have a cool movie festival every year. The people were so friendly compared to other stops in the in Europe to us. And uh, we stayed a couple nights there in uh, just an awesome city. So if you're ever getting the chance to go to Europe, I know always people talk about like Ireland, and you know sometimes you don't hear a lot about going to Scotland mm-hmm. and Edinburgh. And I know Kelly Warren, I think, mm-hmm. went on a trip, and he says the same thing. It's a very underrated stop if you're planning a European trip, um, better than London, and personally, in my opinion. Um, and I like cities, I like big cities. So, but my underrated here domestically, and this was we, we a few years ago, we drove to Clearwater, did the beach, and I'm like, I need to plan a route back home. And I want, we like to see different things. We don't, so I'm not just, I don't want to do 75 straight back up. And so I'm like, uh, you know, I just started looking up things online and I saw, you know, Savannah, Georgia. And so I, I booked a hotel there for two nights, didn't know what to expect. I just saw that it would break my drive up a little bit on the way home and something to see. And wow, it was awesome. It's a great on the Atlantic, on the Atlantic yeah, coast, but it's not really a beach town to begin with. So well, they have like the beach next to it. So that yes. honestly, I was considering that for underrated as well. Cause yeah. my sister mm. and I went um, a couple summers ago and she likes the city and yeah. I like the beach. Yeah. So I, I cut a deal. I was like, let's stay on Tybee Island, yes. <laughs> which is which like close by. It's close by. Yep. It's like the beach of Savannah. Yep. And I was yep. like, we can just drive into the city. Yep. And That's it, the both worlds there. Huh? Yes. And oh, it's, yeah. a, and it's a cool little city. I liked it. I, I, and I, I've never been to New Orleans, so no offense to New but it's almost like a cleaner version of New Orleans. You know, you can walk the streets with your drinks out of the bar. And you have the history. The history. The we saw some really cool things. We did the, 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 the tour at night. And so uh, let me tell you, summertime, though, man, whew, it is it's worse than Florida. I don't know how. Like the, it's, I don't know if it's because of that coast. And, yeah. But, man, you're going to sweat. But Savannah, Georgia, definitely an underrated stop. Again, it's not. A, I know. I know. And people know of it, obviously here. But I don't think it gets the publicity of many other uh, towns and cities. So, Savannah, Georgia, my domestic um, underrated. So, all right, that brings us. We, as always, we'd love to hear what your thoughts are on travel or any of these topics. But that brings us to our hot mic takes. Evie has a hot Evie take, I guess. Yes, so, yes. yes, you do. So, you will start with you, guests first, ladies first. So, what's your take this week for us? All right. Well. Speaking as a proud Carlson alum, the class of 2012 is coming up on their 10-year reunion this summer. Oh, yes. Yeah, wow. so myself and a couple of my great uh, friends have been planning it, um, and I'm excited about that stuff. I think it's important. But what I've found in the process of trying to plan this is I'm slightly concerned that, that people aren't going to show up. So 
So I guess my, my hot mic topic or hot EV topic would be our class reunions be going to become a thing of the past. Because, like, the feedback I've gotten, and I, I've kind of been heard a couple times, even my close friends are like, oh, I'm not going. Um, they'll say things like, I already speak to the people that I, I want to I never understood that. I, know, I mean, you're not asking to form a new friendship. I, I heard that all the time, too, with mine. But you don't want to see, you don't want to talk to somebody that, well, I, I, I just, think I just social think, media. Yeah, I think, I think people now, like my generation, back when we had it, we had no way of seeing people like class of 93. So when we, and when it was 03, um, you know, yes, it started coming out there, but nowhere near as many people were on social media. So, and again, these were like big deals. I, I think back to my parents' generation, like they'd have banquet, like well, my first one was like at a banquet hall, like it was RSVP and suit and tie. And I've slowly seen that it's slowly almost now like these, Smaller events at bars or get-togethers. Yeah. Like informal. Yeah, Wise Out Music, Workday, Workday Deed, uh, an event uh, for, I think it was a class of um, 02, maybe, or, or, you know, 2002. And it was about 40 people. You know, it wasn't very big. I don't think people, you know, and it was sort of like a low-key, you know, just a thing, meet up at a bar. Um, I, I think people, A, are seeing people more often. And I think I think if there's one way to do it that might still work, and I know that some of these, Carl, the older Carlson generation sort of does like a, like a block, like almost like a, you know, class of 70 to 74 we're meeting up here or, or any class like these. Yeah, that seems to be, that the seems to be the newer of, thing. Like yeah. they throw something on social media, like Carlson night at Busters or, you know, Joe's primetime or big, you know, like that seems to be what's going on. Yeah. Cause I think that, I think you're right. I think the era of like a big event where a hundred people come together and bring their spouses. I don't, I, I don't think there's going to be the interest for it. Is that the, is that a byproduct too? When people say, you know, I, I see all the people I, I see, is this a byproduct of people just have negative memories about their high school experience? I mean, I wasn't the coolest guy, but I have pretty fond memories and I enjoy seeing people. And I, I, I feel like partially people are just starting to not care as much if they're connected to others, regardless of what their experience was in high school. Mm. Like people's worlds get smaller and smaller um, and I, and I do feel like sometimes people feel like there's a stigma, like, oh, like, you know, the down river <laughs> Carlson, <Yeah. laughs> you know, and I, I live it every day. So I, I, I highly appreciate everyone from, from this area, but I, I feel like it's just people, they just don't care. Yeah. I think it's a combination of things. I think there's a chunk that says, okay, I don't need to go find out what Evie's doing. I can, you know, I see her on Instagram or I see her on this, you know, that most people, you know, I ran, I ran into somebody at um, a birthday party the other night that I was a year younger than me that I hadn't seen years that I saw that I were friends on social media, but it was still nice to talk and see yeah. her in person. And, you know, she brought up stories of like remembering when my dad was a Brownstown fireman and stuff like that and stuff from when we were kids and, uh, you know, on swimming teams and that sort of stuff. And it was cool to see because, sure. and here's somebody that's on my quote unquote face. Facebook page that, you know, I'll wish her happy birthday or like a picture here and there, but never really talk like we got to talk this weekend and it was pretty cool. So I, yeah, I think it's a combination of things and I think it's gonna be hard. Like I, I graduated in 93, so we'll be coming up uh, on one soon. I mean, I haven't heard anything or, you know, um, so when's the last one you went to Mike? 2016. Okay. We'll leave it there. Oh, okay. <laughs> all right. All right. I had a good time. I, I, a lot of people, I, I uh, most of the night was wonderful. Okay. Well, Hopefully, um, again, we'll recruit that. What's your class again? 2012, June, 20, June 18th of 2022. Th there you go. So, <laughs> it's, so come on out. Let's get this party going. Let's get this party started again. So I think the dumb rats were asked. Uh, I, yeah, I asked a couple who wants to give me the best rate. There you go. Look, at there's already the dumb rats <laughs> and the wise my owls are fighting already. Our, our feud of the down river <laughs> DJs are going at it. All right, Mike, what's your hot mic this week? So, you know, we were tweeting at Chris Herring. The yeah, and mention the book title. 
Um, Blood at the Garden. Okay. It's about the '90s yes. Knicks. All right. So I was read. Andrew Burgess is a teacher that works here, and we talk sometimes about what. And you and I have done this from time to time too, Mike. What might have happened, you know? And yeah. historically speaking, you know, if Robert Kennedy doesn't get assassinated, does yes. he become president? How might the world look differently? And so I came across this part of the book. I hope I'm not. I hope uh, Mr. Herring's not mad at me because I'm plugging the book. But I wanted to get the listeners, and this is. Evie, unfortunately, this might be a, something that you're unable to relate to because it's from June 17, 1994, mm, yeah. middle of the NBA Finals, <laughs> and they cut in to O.J. Simpson in a, on his low-speed chase. And I found this out from the book, and I just it's fascinating to me how what would have happened. So O.J., in the back of the car, he's you know riding with A.C., Al Collings, called, and this is what I didn't know, he called Bob Costas, who was the pregame and post-game announcer on NBC, first called his house, then called Madison Square Garden. And, you know, this is one of the most famous events going on, you know, at least in the last latter part, pop culture events, latter part of the 20th century. OJ is fleeing from the police on his low-speed chase, calls Bob Costas, the Madison, calls Madison Square Garden to talk to Bob Costas in the middle of the NBA Finals. NBC, I mean, the Knicks were so concerned about this, they wanted to shut all feeds off at their on their TVs at the Garden, so people were focused on the NBA Finals game. And the Madison Square Garden employee said, yeah, right, and hung up on him. So my hot mic topic is how what would NBC have done if OJ wanted to go live with Bob Costas, who he called? How would that have put, would they have completely, would the NBA Finals not have gone on, or I'm sorry, not have gone on, but would they have been totally taken off the air for this low-speed chase? What would OJ have said to Bob Costas? Like, I, I, this is something, you know, I did this on the first episode with Shawshank Redemption. How might that have played out if O.J. was able to get through to Bob Costas? Would he have confessed? That's a, that's a good question. And I, I think it obviously depends on, too, like, when was that call trying to come in? Was it still in the pregame? Was it, no, it was during the game. It was during the game. Was during yeah, the game. I mean, while there, he was riding there is the no way that NBC Sports, I mean, unless they cut away and there's no audio from the play-by-play guys, you know, one of those things where you're just watching the game. And then this interview is going on because they're not – I mean, the NBA would lose their mind. But they, it was a split screen to begin with, even on NBC. I, I, you're yeah. right. I, but, I mean – Oh, so you're saying during during the game during itself. During the game oh, itself. So, do, yeah. What does NBC do? So now it's a triple screen. And I'm just wondering, again, how does <laughs> – We've never – I don't think we've ever had that, that triple was, screen. And, and here at Red Zone thought they uh, did all this. I, I mean, I'm seriously I'm – what would OJ have said to, to Bob Costas? If he confesses – does that change the outcome of the trial? I mean, you would assume so, right? I don't think you could find an impartial jury that hears. Oh, on a nationwide, yeah. I mean, nationwide game. I, 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 I don't know. I, we talked about this earlier in the week. I told you that I was just amazed that in the era of cell phones that O.J. Simpson had these phone numbers. Like, I, if I, I right. pre-smartphone, I knew my home phone number, and that was about it. Like, I, I want to know, yes. I, I, I mean, the, I, all these things are questions. I order pizza from the same place all the time, and I still, the first step is Safari, Googling it, and then getting yes. the number that pops up. Hey, this guy's calling Madison Square Garden. <laughs> I couldn't call Madison Square Garden right now if I wanted. So. I'm on speed dial. But again, yeah. he obviously didn't have an important enough phone number <laughs> no, no, he wasn't. to get through. No, no, and Bob Costas probably didn't have a flip phone in his pocket. Maybe he did. I don't know. <laughs> I, again, I, I'm. I, this is. I want to know this. I don't want OJ to call in and tell us. Well, I mean, he really maybe like he'll to, do tweet it. What's always his greeting on Twitter? Like, hello. <laughs> what's he say to start off every tweet? Nobody always has something goofy. interesting to say. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, OJ, if you're listening, we'd love to know what you were going to say to Bob Costas. You're. Are you? Officially offering an invite to the podcast? I'm not. Okay. No. So all right. All no. Right, no. No. On. I'll invite almost anybody, but okay, I, I think right, OJ. I draw right. a line at OJ. Okay. Um, my hot mic is. Um, 
I had, a, again, I have my, total, my notes here, but I, I have a dilemma. I, I tweeted at Terry Foster with this. Yeah. So I've spent many years, and not as much in the last calendar years, but I spent many years trolling the University of Michigan, Ann Arbor, and Jim Harbaugh, mainly as my number one target. The basketball program never really, I never really got that upset with the basketball program. Right. I thought Beeline was a great guy. I, th- I still think he's a great guy, a great coach, and I have really no problem with Juwan Howard. We're missing him right now. Yeah, <laughs> well. Sorry. So, um, uh, you know, I, I didn't go to state, so I guess I'm a – what did you call me before? Uh, Kmart Sparty. Uh, was that Kmart? Okay, whatever yeah, it is. Yeah, Walmart that, Sparty? That doesn't sound as no. good as a but Walmart, whatever. Walmart, 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 Walmart But, Walmart, but I mainly Sparty. rooted for state because I was raised as, like, Michigan's annoying and all this typical, typical stuff. So Friday I receive a text and phone – a text, a FaceTime call from my daughter, Chloe, who has worked very hard as a student, much, much more serious academic than I ever was. I mean, I was a good student, but I was never as dedicated as she has been, and I'm very proud of her. And she's been accepted to Pitt, which I was a big excited about that. Hail Pitt. And, um, uh, Dan Marino. Dan Marino and uh, Aaron Donald. Um, you know. Shady McCoy. Yes. Go so on and on. We can go, but yes, you know. Uh, so I was sort of happy about that. She was accepted at state into the honors program. I was very happy about it. But she got her acceptance to the University of Michigan Ann Arbor. And I was extremely proud because I know how that's a difficult thing to yes. do. Um, it's, prestig- it's a very prestigious university. Even all my joking and trolling of U of M, I never – ridiculed the university. My son competed there in gymnastics meets. It's a beautiful campus. Uh, you know, me down the road in Ipsy at Eastern, and then you have U of M up the road. It's a, apples and oranges, you know. And um, so I'm very proud, but I tweeted at Terry Foster. Terry Foster always used to have the state of Michigan man, remember? Why can't we have more state of Michigan yeah. men? People that like Michigan and Michigan State, and I always laughed at him when he said that. There's, there's no way you can be this person. And now I think I'm finding that I think I have to be this person because I, I still like, I like Mel Tucker. I like Michigan State, I like um, the basketball program. I've always, you know, um, but do I, can I, and, but Terry Foster did reply to me. He did. He did. He said, I, the state of Michigan man is still a thing. He said, he said, I don't even have to cheer for Michigan. He said, I could cheer for my daughter's educational um, advancements and prestige at U of M Ann Arbor and then still cheer for state as a team. What are your thoughts, Mike? Where, what, what, what am I to do? Because I'm telling you, she's, Pretty much all in. This is she's yes. taking the. I think she's going there, which means I'm she working on a Michigan sweatshirt. She had a Michigan. She did, she did. I've never bought and paid for a Michigan thing until this last weekend when I gave her money for that. And I, I, like I'm, I'm in a new place. What, what, what am I to do? I don't think you can. I, I don't think your head can make the decision. The first time Michigan's playing a football game, your heart has to guide you. And I, I know that sounds cheesy and corny, but I can never just say I'm a fan of such and such. It, it might. I'm a fan of a Detroit team always through and through. But I can't ever make that call until the game actually starts. I didn't know, as an example, I'm not changing the subject here, that I would be cheering so hard for the 49ers yesterday. But when the game started, the Lions' love for Stafford, Lions fans' love for Stafford, which, by the way, I defended quite often, it just pushed me to want the Niners to win. I think you have to wait for the games to start to make that call. Evie, any? I, I think it's totally doable. I'm a state of Michigan fan. Oh, state of um, Terry as, Foster. It, as is my dad. Okay. Um, you know. So what I, happens when they play each other? I mean, okay. I think you always have a bias. Like I always want Michigan State to win, but it's not going to ruin my day or impact my day at all if Michigan. Yeah. Wins. See, the problem is he has spent his life <laughs> trolling, <laughs> trolling Michigan fans. You're, and you're Jim more Harbaugh. passionate about it than I, I am. Gonna, <laughs> but but and, and, you're and, and, a well-adjusted adult. This guy is. <laughs> And in, in all honesty, it wasn't trolling because I love state so much. Like I, you know, it's not like I. No, you used to like bothering me. And, yes, I like. It was more about trolling the Michigan fans and really like, okay, you know, state, you know, like I even said before, when state was playing Pitt, I sort of was pulling for Pitt more in that game. You know, so it's not like I'm a state 
but I would. So I guess I, you know, like you said, I guess I'll just have to watch and see where I am. And I don't know if I'm going to be walking around in a hoodie. I, and, and by the way, also, so this all happened Saturday. I texted Max Bailey and oh my God. I sent him a text. I go, hey, it's my first day as a Michigan fan. State proceeds to beat the living crap out of them in basketball, and then Harbaugh is interviewing at Minnesota. So my first day as a Michigan fan, I've already sabotaged the whole... And <laughs> you missed. there's another thing going on. What The greatest quarterback of all time may have retired. Yes, I, I'm that the... Day. I'm, I was the kiss of death. <laughs> yeah. My first day in the club... Uh, don't let Stephen Ross know. No. He may, although rumor is he, that, rumor he may be the one that he, he right. may, now he's like whatever man I'm getting him. But if you're going to the NFL, come here. I, you know, I, I think Terry Foster's right. I can I can sort of do both. The state of Michigan fan thing can be a thing. I know Valenti doesn't believe it, but I think uh, state of Michigan man. It's really tough. You know, I, I I have a student class right now who's from Alabama, and he said you cannot be an Auburn Alabama fan. Like that's it can never happen. And I think it's the same here. But the only problem is I think about all my friends who are diehard state fans. We have everything else in common. Cheer for the Lions, cheer for the Pistons, so forth and so on. So, I, I mean, Auburn, Alabama, I get it because there's really nothing else there. Here, we have so many other teams in common. So I, I think you could pull it off, but I just don't know if you can make that decision I, right now. I guess we'll have to see come uh, Halloween. I, uh, I Halloween think you're, you're going to be a state fan. Okay. I, that's, right. that's my prediction. There it is. I, I mean, the helmet's on my, in my desk at home, and I have an off in my home office, so it is what it is. So I, I just I don't think the academic is enough. Of a, <laughs> a I mean, I'm very impressed with her. I'm yeah. very proud of her. And she can, she can be a Michigan. There, fan. Yes, yes. And I guess the money's going there now, so it is it is what it is. Well, they'll take it. Oh, they'll, they'll I'm take sure it they will, and you know, I'll be working a few more years because of that. So. All right. Well, hey, Evie, thank you so much for joining us. Um, we appreciate it. This again, this is our first episode with a guest. Um, anything, anything. We're not going to do Super Bowl predictions yet because we got two weeks. Two weeks. And we were, our predictions were awful anyway um, from last week. I think we both picked the Chiefs in the yeah, 49ers. So, yeah. Yeah. So don't take our advice anyway. No, never. Um, but we'll, we'll come back with something next week. Um, big storm coming this week. So, uh, you know, stock up on all the essentials. Um, have a great week. And Evie, thank you so yes, much. Yes, Evie, yeah, thank you. You are, you are awesome. Fun. Thank you. All right, have a great week. We'll see you guys next time.